When I was younger, and by younger, I mean about 20, I was living in my student flat, uh, and one of us, probably not me, uh, spilt loads of water. Uh, but being the ill-equipped students we were, we didn't have a mop, we were out of kitchen roll, and the floor was a bit dirty, so we didn't really want to use a towel. But I had a brainwave. I thought, well, I know what is good at picking up things that spill on the floor. Genius move, I went to the cupboards and brought out the hoover. I came back, tried to hoover up the water, uh, and those of you more advanced in home stuff than me will know that doesn't quite work. We were in a bit of a predicament, and I went to put my trust in something that completely failed me. Now David's predicament as he writes this psalm is a lot more serious than some spilt water. Folks aren't exactly sure what was going on at the time, but it's likely that at this point his own son Absalom has revolted and has stolen the throne from David. David's had to flee into the wilderness. Absalom was David's son that he loved the most. But Absalom grew angry at David, chased him out of the court, and David was alone in the wilderness. And he's sad because he still loves Absalom very much, but Absalom hates him. And the throne that God had promised to David had been taken away. David's whole world is crashing around him. It's so bad that he speaks of it as being at the end of the earth. Now, obviously, he's not gone that far away back in those days. He's in the wilderness, kind of nearby. But he is not in the place God had called him to be. And so it might as well be the end of the earth because he cannot get to the tent of the Lord. He cannot dwell in the place where God's presence was. And he says his heart is faint. It's probably better translated his heart is overwhelmed. The son he loves the most hates him. He's had to survive assassination attempts in his life. And now he's been thrown out of the royal place and left to live in the wilderness. And so it seems right that his heart is overwhelmed. And at this stage, David's response is simple. He calls out to God. There's only three verbs in this psalm that describe David actually doing something. Here in verse 2, David calls to the Lord. And in verse 8, in response to God's goodness, David sings his praises and performs vows. But this action David takes, it's just to call. The rest of the psalm is David appealing for God to act. All David does when his world is crashing around him, and when his heart is overwhelmed, is call to the Lord. He doesn't have to fix his problems before he comes to the Lord. He knows that he himself won't be able to get him out of this predicament. All David does is call on the Lord. And I'm sure there's times for you in 2020, and there surely are for me, where your heart has felt pretty overwhelmed. And there's been times you, you, you're kind of unsure just how you're going to move forward from this. So there's there's trying to navigate through a lockdown. Um, for some, there's, there's going to a job each day, but knowing there's a chance that that, that job won't be there for much longer. For, for many, it's been dealing with the loss of loved ones. Now, for some, it, it's just been the relentless Zoom meetings, 
or it's been not being able to see family, or the fear of catching coronavirus on just a trip to the shops. And days go by, and they go by, but still your heart is overwhelmed, and these things just keep coming at you. Or maybe you feel like, like, yeah, you're overwhelmed, but you should be stronger than this. You know, you look at other people who are going through seemingly worse stuff, and, and they seem to be fine. And you think, my problems are so small, and yet I'm overwhelmed. I'm weak. That maybe your problems don't quite count. That maybe rather than being overwhelmed, your heart should just be a little whelmed. And in all of this, God wants you to call on him. It doesn't need to be eloquent words. And you don't need to have figured out everything that's going wrong. You just have to turn to God and call on him. And David is calling on the Lord with great confidence in what the Lord can and will do. He wants the Lord to lead him to the rock that is higher than him. So a high rock, especially back in the olden days, was like one of the safest places you could be. Um, so from a high rock, you could see all around. Um, if you are fighting a battle, it's easier to like shoot arrows and, and attack the people who are below you. Back then, a high rock was the safest, most secure place you could be. But David is asking not just to get to a high rock. David wants to go to a rock that is higher than him. Higher than him is so important because a rock that is just on David's level, a rock that David could get for, to him for himself, is ultimately just going to fail him. You know, he had a seemingly high rock. He is king, the most powerful person around. But we see here David in the wilderness. Even being king was not a strong enough rock to keep him secure. And we too, we, we know ourselves, we look for security in so many different places. You know, we trust in that, that now we've got a good job. Money's coming in, we can, we can save some. We're all safe, we're all good now. Or maybe we find security in, in trying to find a spouse. Or once we've found a spouse, we, we rely on them. You know, we think, oh, whatever is going on, I will always have my spouse and it will always be okay. But one thing coronavirus, I think, has pretty much taught everyone is that we are all vulnerable. Jobs have been lost. Big businesses are, are in crisis. Seemingly healthy people are, are struggling with the virus. We simply, we cannot find security and refuge in the things of this world. We can only find that in God. David gets it, and he's experienced it before. That's why in verse 3 he says that God has already been his refuge and his strong tower. And so his pleading is that God would continue this. Time and time again, God has come through for David. Uh, so back in maybe David's most famous story, before he fights Goliath, uh, he says these words. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. 
And then shortly after, it's the spirit of the Lord who protects David from Saul trying to kill him. So as David looks back on how good and how faithful God has been, he's able to then look forward in confidence that the Lord will continue that goodness. And it's that confidence in the Lord that leads to David's prayer in verse 6. Prolong the life of the king, he says. May his years endure to all generations. The prophet Nathan had promised David that his kingdom and throne would last forever. So here David is really asking God to, to just keep good on his promise. The kingdom, the throne would last forever. But David obviously knows that, that he won't be lasting forever. He won't be king forever. And so he is looking forward to, and he is needing an eternal king. And this prayer of David's, this prayer is answered and it is answered by King Jesus. A king who came like no other. A king who gave up the riches of heaven to be born in a, in a dirty stable in poverty. A king whose heart was wrought with compassion for the weak and the helpless. A king who washed the feet of sinners. The king whose crown was a crown of thorns. A king who laid down his life for those that hated him. A king who takes and pays for our sin and then gives us a royal robe instead. The eternal king killed to give you eternal life. But still, Jesus stands as the eternal king today. Because he was raised from the grave to be exalted on high, and now every knee will bow before King Jesus. Jesus is Lord. He is still Lord. And he will be enthroned forever. And so we are safe. We are secure on that rock. Secure because Jesus is the eternal king who invites us to take refuge under his wings. And really, whoever you are, whatever you have done, and whatever baggage you may be bringing to the table, however ashamed you may feel, you will find a home under his wings. David's longing is to dwell in God's tent. Uh, really here he says tabernacle, which was the, the place of God's presence back in the day. And you are invited to dwell in this place of God's presence. Uh, imagine it like, like you're in a big castle. And you're inside the castle and you are dwelling in the presence of God. He is right there with you. And you are sheltering under his wings. And outside the castle come waves and waves of attack that never seem to stop. Attacks enough to overwhelm anyone's heart. And Satan's there and he's throwing a spear of lies and deception. Others come and shoot arrows of temptation, of anger. And the, the attacks keep coming. And for as long as you live, the attacks keep coming and they become more and more relentless. 
but not one single attack will harm you. On the towers of, of the castle you are in, God has appointed steadfast love and faithfulness. So yes, you are surrounded on all sides by attacks coming right at you. But you are even more surrounded and protected by God's love and faithfulness. You are safe and secure. You are free to dwell always in the presence of God. The world will always be an overwhelming place. But your king will always be your refuge.